0: This is Bless You Boys, podcast 108, recorded Friday, April 18th, 2014. Justin Miller, bullpen savior. Thanks for listening and enjoy. The Bless You Boys podcast, where the editorial staff of BlessYouBoys.com, SB Nation's Detroit Tigers blog kicks around the past week of Detroit Tigers baseball and sometimes whatever the hell else is on our minds. Uh, this week, uh, Kurt is not going to be with us. He uh, He's taking a few days off from the site uh, you know, he, it's it's hard running the UP. You know, he is the king of Marquette after all. So, uh, hopefully, Kurt will be back with us next week. But other than that, we'll get the introductions out of the way. Of course, I'm your host, Al Beaton, co-managing editor of Bless You Boys. But we do have our other uh, regular on this show, and that would be the man we call the King of the West Side of the state, and that would be uh, the man we call Hookslide, who's been stirring up crap on the site this week. How's things going?
1: Aside from the crap stirring, I think it's going quite well. And well,
0: that's why we added you to the site.
1: I, well, then I'm glad to be uh, executing as a regular. <laughs> Maybe I can get some more starting time than Drew Smiley.
0: <laughs> God forbid. Yeah, we're going to talk all kinds of Tiger stuff from the state of the Tigers to the West Coast trip to how things are looking right now. The Tigers actually made a roster move to hopefully bolster to a bullpen. We'll talk all about that, but... Let's get a little housekeeping out of the way first. Uh, if you want to contact us, any you know any opinions, love mail, love letters, hate mail, whatever you want to talk to us about, you can contact us in several ways. Of course, we're on the social networks. At it bless you boys on Twitter. We're also on Facebook. Facebook.com/slash byb.tigers. Or as always, you can just search for Bless You Boys on Facebook and please like us, follow us. There's a lot of content on there for you to um, check out. You can also email us the old school way, uh, bybtigers at gmail.com, bybpodcast at gmail.com. All right, with that, let's start talking um, some baseball. Uh, actually, we should start with some off-field stuff first, and that would be the Evan Reed investigation. There was a little more news came out this week since Reed and the Tigers came back from the West Coast Road Swing. Uh the investigation into the sexual assault allegations remains ongoing. Uh, the latest we have is that uh, the Detroit Police Department um, released a statement saying Rita is cooperating with investigators and voluntarily submitted to questioning from uh, from uh, the, the, the DPD. And that's pretty much where the story stands as of now. The, uh, the Tigers have stood by the one statement they made, where they're not going to make any comment because it's a police matter and we're pretty much handling it the same way bless you boys we are going to report on the story but we're we're not going to open comments on the post or really give much of the way of we just want to report the facts is we don't want any unfounded rumors mudslinging going on because this is a police matter, this is a serious police matter and again there's a lot that's probably going to have to go down before the truth comes out and i know hook slide you wanted to say something about this so uh
1: yeah yeah, just, I, I, it's a really short, you know, thing that I've just, I've seen maybe a little bit of, uh, mm-hmm. I wish people could stop poking fun at the situation. Yeah. And I know it's easy and I'm, you know, I'm one to talk because I'm always ripping apart everything that comes my way, you know, just making snarky jokes or whatever. But mm-hmm. I don't know, I, I've been really kind of discouraged to see kind of the easy pot shots, you know, about Evan Reed warming in the bullpen. Huh? Hey, I wonder what he's doing. Yeah, that, that kind of, you know, stuff like that. And think, yeah. come on guys, this is, this is pretty serious. And, uh. It, it, it's unfortunate that even though there's no, um, there's not even been, you know, officially a, a charges filed or anything, but once you get your name associated with yeah. something like this, boy, that can take a while to, to wear off. So just mm-hmm. go, guys, if you can, back off the jokes. It's really not that funny.
0: Yeah, yeah. There's, uh, there's a fine line here, and this is one of those situations where you're crossing a line, I think. And, and in the end, it's going to come down to one of two things. Either uh, Evan Reed committed a crime. Where Evan Reed's name is being drugged through the mud unnecessarily, and that's up to the police to sort out, and we're going to stay out of it. All right, let's start talking to baseball. Hook slide. State uh, of the Tigers. <laughs> uh, they started the season four and zero. Oh, everybody was all, "Yeah, here we go!" You know, one hundred and sixty-two oh, and zero. Here we come. They head off on the world swing, struggle a little bit, go three and two on the trip. Uh, they were actually three and five since starting the season four and zero oh, since they uh, split a series with the Tribe at home. Uh, Obviously, some of the doomsayers seem to be poking out of their um, of their holes as of late. But, looks um, like people seem to be forgetting things. And that at seven and five, the Tigers still have the be- third best record in the American League. They're obviously leading the American League Central, and they're five and two at home. And I think that's the big thing: is that there's a, uh, is that the West Coast road trip more than anything else. I think that's uh, you have really that's kind of a caveat to that season, if you ask me, because People go into these road trips thinking, Yeah, the Tigers are gonna kick ass, they are gonna sweep some series And really the point of a road trip and even more so a West Coast trip is just to survive the damn thing and not get swept. And I'll take a three and two record on a West Coast swing every damn time and just run with it.
1: Absolutely. And Let's look at the, I know it's small sample sizes and everything. Mm-hmm. We're just getting started. They've been on again, off again, off days, freeze out mm-hmm. days, rain outs. You know, it'd be nice to see them play more than, you know, four games in a row. But if you look even, if you take the small sample sizes you mm-hmm. know, into account, let's look back at last year. They, they have the exact same record now yeah. after 12 games as they did last year. Mm-hmm. Funny yeah. thing about that, though, is that uh, they're, they're, they've scored 19 runs fewer. Mm-hmm. this time around, and they've still got the same record. So how do yeah. you how do you explain that? You can't. That's baseball. At, at least that's what <laughs> Kurt would say. That's baseball. That's baseball. So the <laughs> offense is down and they're still winning games. So yeah. there you go. Mm-hmm.
0: And and they're doing that with this supposedly god-awful bullpen, and uh, the starting pitching actually has a losing record, even though that really goes to show that win-loss records are really misleading because the starting pitching has been excellent for the Tigers this year. And you make a good point. Uh, With all the, you know, obviously early in the season, there's you're going to be more days off as teams are trying to uh, work their schedules around, you know, essentially a cushion for bad weather. And, of course, bad weather does show up and screws up the schedule, as Drew Smiley has learned, as he has yet to make a start. He's going to start this weekend. But uh, I think that's a big thing is that baseball really is, you need to get into a groove and no one on the Tigers has really been able to get one, considering all the days off, and really the, the rotation has had to be constantly juggled because of the days off and the uh, and the postponements.
1: A lot of ups and downs, right? Mm-hmm. You know, Tori <laughs> Hunter was like super hot for a couple of games, and, yeah. and, that, and you know Alex Avila looked really good at first, uh, at least in terms of his on-base percentage, and now it seems like all he does is strike out. But that's mm-hmm. just you know based on the last couple of games, so. Yeah, let's let's get these guys into a rhythm and see what they can. Then we'll watch them lose, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> then
0: we'll have lots to bitch about, I'm sure. Uh, but you know, in, but uh, you know, right now the way things are going, yeah, there's there's some things to like, things to not like, obviously. And uh, but overall, this I think this is still obviously a really talented team, and. Ian Kinsler has really been a revelation so far. We'll talk a little bit about how oh, yeah. later uh later. Nick Castellanos really looks, he's ready to be a big league ball player and he's hitting like one right now. Uh, no, he has hidden some bad luck lately. He's learning, for example, that you can't hit a ball to right center <laughs> on a consistent no. basis at America park <laughs> That's and a expect bad idea. it to fall. You know, exactly. Uh, and you know, yeah, let the offense has sure had some issues, but again, I think uh, throw this, throw this earliness out, yeah. has to be played into it.
1: You say the offense is having some issues, and I would have to agree. Like I said, they're they're down 19 runs from mm-hmm. where they were at this point last year, and still maintaining the same record. Yeah. Um, but let me let me just throw this out there because I've seen this comment uh, maybe in the game threads and some on Twitter. Mm-hmm. It seems like the last couple, uh, you know, big wins, uh, including this most recent one, mm-hmm. that the Tigers once again are living and dying by the big three-run home run. Yeah. True or false?
0: Living or dying by the. Um...
1: Can I mean? Can they continue to win games with with the you know extra base hits, the small ball, the bunting, the stealing, or are they in the same spot as they were last year, where it's going to have to be, you know, put it in the seats or lose the game?
0: Well, that's the difference. You're right because this is the team that's actually capable of manufacturing runs. Personally, I'm not. I like that they have the flexibility, but I would still prefer them. They have a little more power, but this team isn't built that way. And a lot of that power is going to return when Miguel Cabrera starts hitting.
1: So that's got to Oh goodness! As well, yeah, I was listening to the game on the radio yesterday, mm-hmm. and uh, both Jim uh, Price and Dan Dickerson were, were saying the same thing that you know, we were watching them do things like uh, okay, what, what happened yesterday when uh, they got that extra run in the, the that seventh run because of Rajay Davis, you know, his infield right. single, his speed. Uh, you got you know Romine taking the extra. Mm-hmm. It was Romine, right? The pinch pinch runner came in and mm-hmm. stole second, got third. And they were saying, you know, look, they're, they're doing the, the smart baseball thing. Imagine what happens when Cabrera finally hits his stride and right. adds that to what's going on. They're, it's going to be really fun to watch.
0: Yeah, because uh, I don't think anybody expected at this point in the season that your leading RBI men would be Tory Hunter and Ian Kinsler. So, <laughs> right. You know, and actually the leading home run hitter on the team right now is Tory Hunter with three, but he did all those like two weeks ago for the most part. So, right. Uh, Again, though, we have to factor in cold road, uh, West Coast road trip. There's a lot of things going in here, but uh, I think if any, yeah, get his, you know, his swing back. And yeah, then... exactly. And uh, Cabrera went through the same kind of streak last year, I believe, where he had a like a 3-for-35 streak uh, sometime in April of last year. It happens to even the best of guys.
1: No, you know, it was it was mm-hmm. his uh, Triple Crown year. Yeah, that's what, yeah, exactly. The Triple Crown year, he went through a huge cold streak in both April and May and still managed to come back and, and do what he did.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. And he's starting to show signs of coming out of it. He's hitting the ball a little harder and... Uh, sooner uh, i say sooner than later those balls that are d- not quite getting out to right field are going to be clearing a wall soon and even Cabrera admitted even though he looked really good in spring training he says he still doesn't have his full core strength after um the offseason surgery so uh again i'm not worried about miguel cabrera and i'm not really overly worried about the offense uh but i'll say this uh hookside i'm more worried about the bench than ever after the latest news and that uh, the Tigers did uh, decide to go for some bullpen help. I think more than anything else, rather than being overly disappointed with the, the guys they have right now, uh, they really need some help because the starters have, have elevated pitch counts, have been only going about five innings so far, as we've seen in the last three games, for example. And the bullpen has been getting some heavy, heavy uh, heavy-duty heavy work, and they got 10 games in 10 days coming up for the next day off. So the Tigers called up right-handed reliever Justin Miller from AAA Toledo. Uh, and our horse, for bless you boys, or I should say Kurt's horse, uh, told us that Tyler Collins is the player to be sent down, even though it hasn't been officially announced by the Tigers yet. Uh, what's interesting about this is that it's kind of an orthodox in that the, the Tigers going into an eight-man bullpen, and essentially leaving a bench of just Don Kelly and Andrew Romine. And I think that's a little disturbing. You know, I'm taking the backup catcher um, out of the equation because realistically you have to because, you know, he, either he starts or he's held back for emergency purposes only. And, you know, with, uh, with Brian Holliday, it's how the things go with catchers. So essentially the Tigers have a shortstop, uh, they have a backup shortstop, and they have a backup everything and Don Kelly. The backup wizard. Yeah, and that's I think more scaring me more than anything else at this point. And it kind of shows just uh, this is a top-heavy team that doesn't have a lot of depth,
1: but right now they're really prioritizing the bullpen over the bench. And as well they should. As you pointed out, the, the starters have only been making it about five innings mm-hmm. with some really elevated pitch counts, and so they're having to go to the bullpen a lot. And, you know, Say what you will about the bullpen. It just doesn't seem to me like it's necessarily a strong point mm-hmm. um see you know I don't think it's a bad move to get another arm out there and the numbers that I've seen on on Justin Miller at least prior to his uh surgery mm-hmm. look pretty good, yeah, so why not let's let's pad that out a little bit, and then hopefully you know you can sustain yourself on fewer runs. You don't have to go to the bench you know and bring in Don Kelly for that you know those light inning yeah. heroics mm-hmm. that he's so famous for, yeah.
0: And it does make sense in in this way to send Tyler Collins down is that he just isn't playing and the kid's not going to get any better just sitting on the bench in Detroit. If uh, he really was, I think the most expandable uh, expendable player they had and that they can you know, obviously no being a rookie, he's got options. They can send him down, bring him back at any time. And it really does make sense. If he's not going to play here, make him play in Toledo and, but essentially, that also means that well, Rajai Davis, as of right now, is your starting left fielder full-time. and So far, he's lived up to it, but I think he's playing above his head right now as well, and he's going to
1: regress, especially against right-handed uh, pitching. Right, and Andy Dirks is not due back for, what, another month? Yeah, at least. month yeah. and a half. Yeah. So that's that's a little bit uh, maybe a little bit scary to think mm-hmm. that Davis is the guy. Um, I, I've have been pleased with his performance so far, but like oh, you yeah. said, I, I don't think he's going to sustain that. Right. So that basically means that Don Kelly is your platoon. <laughs> okay. Yeah, we'll just. Uh, yeah, I think that's a good way just to leave that.
0: Don Kelly is part of the platoon, but it is, this does mean that we're going to see probably a lot more Don Kelly, and of course that's going to set the social media uh, networks on fire. <laughs> during the games oh we can hope, yeah. We can hope. <laughs> <laughs> yeah burn it all down that's right <laughs> but you know even i find myself acting up a little bit i'm uh put it in the and one of the recaps is that oh my god of course the, it's not surprising the tigers lost when their first pinch hitter off the bench is down kelly but then again brad office can only do so much with what he's got to work with and right now what he's got to work with is uh well
1: two guys that can't hit themselves out of a wet paper bag but I guess yeah, it,
0: they're there for their defense more than anything else at this point, anyway.
1: Right, and it is a little bit interesting to me that that's that's the depth, that's the bench. Yeah, okay, that's a little in uh, okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, what what do you do with that? I mean, yeah. Don Kelly came in to pinch hit the other night, and you know, as much as the internet kind of blew up and said, "What are you doing here, Patrick?" Our own Patrick O'Kennedy kind of mm-hmm. pointed out, "Who else have you got?" Yeah, exactly. After after Don Kelly, yeah, that's a scary place to be, but that's that's the reality. So. Mm-hmm. You know, maybe that's an issue that gets dealt with, you know, after the trade deadline or before the trade deadline, rather. But for now, this is what we've got to deal with. Yeah,
0: yeah, it's uh, essentially the Tigers are robbing Peter to pay Paul. People are screaming, "We'll fix the bullpen, help the bullpen." Well, they, they, they're going to fix the bullpen, but it, it's going to cost them someplace else, and in this place yeah, at least are. temporarily, it's going to uh, hurt the bench. But it, it is interesting that uh, you always hear fans so excited yelling. Why are we playing these guys? You know, they should have the starting nine in every damn day. Uh, it's, it's baseball; they don't need rest. Well, I think they're going to get to see that with that bench.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, and guess what? They do need rest. Yeah, <laughs> it's just a fact. You can't go out, you know, twelve games in a row and mm-hmm. and, and not regress or you know risk injury or mm-hmm. you know what have you.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's it's going to be a. Uh, uh, a nice little experiment in uh, essentially running with the same eight guys defensively every damn day because that's pretty much what it's going to be. At least it looks like the Tigers are still going to roll
1: with with Alex Gonzalez,
0: and I guess that's a nice segue. <laughs> well, before
1: we go into that, yeah, let's talk just a little bit about that uh, that call up from, from AAA, Triple A. Okay, bringing up Justin Miller. Mm-hmm. Were you were you surprised at all that they went with a right hander? instead of trying to pull up a left-hander. I know there's probably issues there with you know what lefties are available. Still, the question is, doesn't that make them a little bit uh, top-heavy in the right-handed pitching department?
0: A little bit. To be honest, yeah, I was I was surprised they even had a right-hander in Toledo, considering they got seven, I think, on the Toledo roster right now. But uh, I, I think this is just one of those cases where uh, the Tigers are looking for lightning in a bottle, and they think, Miller is probably maybe the most likely to uh, pitch well at this time. I don't think they're expecting big things from this guy at all. It's and kind of an innings eater type. Yeah, exactly. Because trust me, the way things are going right now, I really don't think this guy is going to be plugged into a seventh or eighth inning role. Because if you look at the numbers, Java Chamberlain and uh, Al Albuquerque have not really pitched that bad over the past week.
1: Surprise! Surprise!
0: Uh, yeah. So uh, this again, this is one of those. This is a guy who's going to pitch in the sixth inning. He's going to come in. Uh, you know, if a starter blows up earlier, he's yeah, he's going to be a long relief guy. And but then again, that you need guys like that. That hopefully the Tigers won't need them. But yeah. uh, the odds are, sometime in this stretch, a lot of baseball is going to be played over the next week and a half he's probably going to uh, have to show up in the middle of the game someplace and get some outs
1: I think it's an interesting statement by mm-hmm. the team to to go that route uh, you know if they are indeed going to send Tyler Collins down mm-hmm. and not uh, you know send down somebody else from the pen and do a pitcher right. for pitcher switch mm-hmm. you know that I think that kind of makes a statement about how they feel about their left handed options right now right. And, oh yeah and definitely and Phil coke even yeah so if this, if they 're not going to send you know Coke out <laughs> based on this. Does this mean we have to kind of buckle in and get ready for more, more of Phil Coke sprinting out for the next couple months? Yes. Wear a helmet. That's <laughs> right. <laughs> some, some knee pads or something. Yeah, trip and fall one of these days.
0: But yeah, and, and, and to Koch's credit, his last appearance, he did pitch into some bad luck. So he looked okay. And if Osmus uses him correctly, just as a left-handed specialist, he might be able to get true for a little while, this guy. But yeah, I really don't think Coke's a long-term solution of this team. I doubt the Tigers do at this point either. But you do make a very point that until someone better starts to blow them away, at Toledo, who are you going to replace Phil Coke with? If, you know, the Tigers would rather go with the devil they know than the devil they don't.
1: Yeah, why not? Yeah, there there are just aren't that many options, and while he, you know, we may see some movement, I think you know towards the trade deadline to mm-hmm. get another left-hander, possibly, maybe not, maybe they'll focus on the shortstop situation. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know, but I, I think we're we're dealing with Coke for for quite a while.
0: Yeah, and and uh, obviously Ian Kroll, the other lefty in the Tigers' plan, has not pitched that bad at all, at least until yesterday, where he got hit kind of hard uh, against the Indians and gave up that. Uh, uh, late home run I think he ended up Giving up two or three hits And only got one uh, One guy out But again That's That's part of, of the bullpen These guys are not, They're The guys in the bullpen Are not all uh, uh, Light style pitchers That's why they're in the bullpen So That's why they're not closers Exactly And Hopefully the closer In uh, uh, In Joe Nathan Is uh, Pitched through his Dead arm issues And he has looked better In his
1: last couple outings Let's go there for a second Sure just just because, because I didn't actually get to watch the game. I was you know running errands and back yeah. and forth and had to catch it piecemeal on the radio or whatever. You, I'm assuming you got a chance to actually see it. Uh, yes, I did. So how did how did Joe Nathan look? Because I heard uh, both Jim and Dan were speaking very highly of saying you know he really seems to be spotting the fastball again. He's hitting the corners. He's doing what Joe Nathan does. D- did the uh, did the eye test kind of bear that out?
0: I thought so. I, I definitely agree with that. He was uh, he looked like the Joe Nathan of old, the, the Joe Nathan who was a true Tiger killer, not a guy who kills Tigers, <laughs> as he had over the, <laughs> earlier on the West Coast trip. So, yeah, he did look a lot sharper. He just looked uh, – the command was there. Uh, as we saw, especially on um, the early part of that West Coast trip, he, he was having trouble throwing strikes, and that was not an issue uh, this, this last time out. He was uh, around the strikes all the time, pretty much putting the ball where he wanted it, and uh, I can get used to those one, two, three innings. Tonight. Oh, absolutely!
1: Is, you know, and was, uh, uh, mm-hmm. sorry, he he did a post game interview on X Y T after you yeah. know after yesterday's game, and, and uh, I can't remember who it was that was interviewing. It Might have been Jeff Rieger that was interviewing him. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't quote me on that. Anyway, he said he said something to the effect of, you know, Joe, do you think you're past the the dead arm situation? And I detected just a, a note of irritation in, in Nathan's response. And he basically said, look, you know, I'm sorry I ever brought it up. Exactly. I did not expect that to be, you know, a newsworthy issue. He said, this is something that happens to every single major league, pitcher, not, not once every couple of years, but every single year, every pitcher goes through this. I didn't think it was going to be a newsworthy item. You know, So I can't believe we're still talking about this. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. I think uh, uh, Joe Nathan will parse his words a little more carefully from here on out, say at the very least. But uh, at the ver- at, let's just say the signs are there that this issue, whatever it may have been, has passed, and I think we'll see a much better Joe Nathan from here on out. God uh, God forbid if he's not.
1: <laughs> All right. your mouth to God's ears, as you know, they say. Mm-hmm. All right. Let's move on to uh, the shortstop,
0: Alex Gonzalez, Andrew Romine, and, and, the, and the mess that's there. I have a feeling, though, this is going to be a an ongoing topic for the entire season or until the Tigers – make a definitive move to solve their issues, be it signing that uh, the, the free agent who will not be named, who won't be touched till June, or they bring up one of their um, uh, young prospects, like say a Hernan Perez or, or Suarez. But as of right now, it's hard to say the Tigers have a shortstop period. Alex Gonzalez has really fallen into uh, that, that area where Brandon Inge and Ryan Rayburn and Phil Coat currently resides in that they're in the, he's in the doghouse. The fans just actually cringe when he's out there, even a ball's hit to him. Right now he has three errors, and even though the Tigers sold, hit, sold him as he still had some pop in his back, and yes, we have to take small sample sizes into account. He's only hitting 167 if he if got off of 452 OPS, and this is the guy that's getting the majority of the playing time. Andrew Romine, he seems to really look far more capable with the glove, at least going by the eye test. He hasn't played that much, but it's obvious he can't hit a lick. You know, he's, uh, he's pretty, he's, his OPS is, uh, is (laughs) two, nine, (laughs) eight. Yeah. So I guess the question is uh, really when I wish the Tigers would just juggle the shortstops a little better in that, you know, if they're going to play Gonzalez, I would much like to see them put in mine in the late innings because I just don't trust this guy's glove. And we've already seen some issues where he's, uh, he's extended some innings with some uh, if he throws the first base, he almost got Miguel Cabrera killed on a road trip. Uh. And uh, you know, if you're going to go roll with these guys, then actually truly platoon them and use them in situations right now. It looks like, Red office is just going to Alex Gonzalez, and he'll just use Andrew Romine to give him a blow every, uh, every four days or so. I'd rather see a true platoon. You know, picture changes, go to the other guy. Do so something to shake it up, because right now I don't think this is working.
1: Well, I mean, I thought we did see a little bit of that yesterday when he brought in Romain to to not only pinch run, but I think to take, you know, the the shortstop spot. Yeah, they shifted Gonzalez to third base. Right. So there was obviously some concern for the defensive, Mm -hmm. you know, consideration there. And I'll credit our own Jordan for for pointing that out to me yesterday, because when Romain came in to pinch run for Mm -hmm. Castellanos. Yeah. My first question was, are they really that different in terms of their speed? Yeah. Uh, but Jordan pointed out, he said, No, this is probably a defensive thing too to mm-hmm. come in the ninth. Okay, great. Um think about Alex Gonzalez mm-hmm. is that the last couple of years he's played well, hasn't really played. Right. You know, not not certainly not a full season. Mm-hmm. And just looking at the cursory stats, it looks like he does tend to hit a little better the the longer he gets, you know, playing time. Right. So now you're in a catch twenty two. Uh, Alex Gonzalez, growing pain or growing pain? Hmm. <laughs> Do we have to sit him out there for another hundred games yeah. to see the the pop in the bat, so to speak? Um, honestly, Al, I'm I'm kind of just scratching my head mm-hmm. in terms of what what is this team's philosophy when it comes to the shortstop? Right. You know, I, I thought we were going glove first, forget about the the offense, which would be Romine, right? In this case, I mean, that's, that's what Iglesias offered, right? Superb defense, maybe not as much in the offense area. And yet, you know, now they're playing the guy who's really low on defense, you know, in favor of his offense. So what in the world? <laughs> which, which side of the board are we on here?
0: Yeah, and that's what's got the fan base confused. Uh, because I think if, if you, quote, if you uh, ran a poll at Bless You Boys, I think the vast majority of people would say, Let's just go with the glove-first guy at this point. Uh, you know, it, we know we're not going to get much, if any, offense out of shortstop, even with Alex Gonzalez. Let's go with the, guy, the much more uh, sure-handed player. And right. and I thought, as you said, I thought that was the philosophy going in. Obviously, uh, Jose Iglesias has more offensive upside than, the, than either of these guys. You know, I'm not, not that, that he's going to hit a lot, but he's going to hit better.
1: Right. <laughs> That's just that's that's really pathetic when you think about it. I mean, I, I love Iglesias. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't great with the bat necessarily. But to say he has more offensive upside than either of these guys, oh Iggy, get better soon, okay? <laughs> um, but with Gonzalez, I think you're in a lose lose situation at the time for the time being mm-hmm. because he's not fielding and he's not hitting. Right.
0: Yeah, and of course, uh, Steve Lombardozzi is actually playing pretty darn well with the Orioles. I think he's sitting around 290 right now. So. Oh, and he's making some flashy plays in
1: the field yeah. of the club, too. Yeah,
0: yeah. things. And, you know, we all wanted to root for the man we called the Italian Don Kelly, and we just never got that opportunity. So but, this, an opportunity lost, and it hurts everybody.
1: I know. I, I wonder, could he have played shortstop?
0: Not. Uh, I have a feeling he was strictly would have been a stopgap. Uh, get an inning from him here or an inning from him there. I don't think that he's the kind of guy. He's really a second-baseman, third-baseman guy, and he's one of those this players way. that you uh, he's, he's a
1: emergency shortstop more than an everyday shortstop or even a platoon shortstop. But if they put him at shortstop, I mean, I understand he's not necessarily the, the best at that position. Is he going to be any worse at shortstop than Alex Gonzalez and maybe even a better hitter? Well, thats I think that's a...
0: Probably, you're running the money there. He would have been a better option than Alex Gonzalez. You might uh, have... Uh, I don't think, uh, you know, Gonzalez already committed three errors.
1: Well, I think uh, Lombardosi probably could have at least done that, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. If we get rid of Gonzalez, who's going to make the errors for us? we yeah. <laughs> need to call somebody up from, the, from Toledo. <laughs> yeah. But unfortunately, uh, this is going to be
0: an ongoing subject, and it's going to remain there until the Tigers do make that definitive move, and they're not going to make a definitive move for, I bet, at least another six weeks, at the very least. Again, uh, they've only played 12 games, and I think we do keep forgetting that. And, you know, he might get hot. uh, Who knows? You know, again, as Kurt would say, that's baseball. You just don't know. But as of right now, it's it's pretty much
1: a uh, Brennan-Barrett situation. And like I said, if, if he's going to play, Gonzalez, I mean, if he's going to mm-hmm. play and, and hit according to his career numbers, then the good news is we should see a slight upswing in, yeah. the, in the games to come. So it just means that you have to kind of live through, again, the growing pain or the growing pain,
0: mm-hmm. whatever
1: <laughs> he really is. Yes.
0: All right. Let's, um, uh, we, we, need, we need to touch on really the first controversy of the Brad Ausmus era. Uh, and that would be that he was really seriously second-guessed for the first time uh, when he asked Tory Hunter to bunt in the eighth inning of what would be a 3-2 loss to the Indians on, uh, I believe it was on uh, Wednesday. Uh, it really was history repeating itself when Jim Leland went through the ex- ex- near exact same scenario 11 months previous, asking Tory Hunter to bunt late in the game against the Indians uh, in a situation uh, two-on, nobody out late in the game where Hunter could not get it down and ended up having a really bad at-bat. This at-bat ended in a double play. The Tigers ended up losing by a run. And that really dominated the entire uh, post-game discussion everywhere you looked, on Bless You Boys, on social media, on Sports Talk Radio. Uh, you know, personally, I just find it that I, I put blame on Austin because I always feel Asking a player to do something that he is shown time and time again, he's either very uncomfortable or actually unable to do, you're putting that player in a position to fail. And I think, and this is, I blamed Jim Leland a year ago, I blamed Osmus for this as well. And the thing is, you know, after the game, Osmus says, I went to hunt, I went to Torrey and asked him, could he do this? And it's like, what do you expect Tory Hunter to say? No, I can't. I I have to swing away. Of course he's going to say, yeah, I'll try and lay a bunt down for you. So I think this is just one of those situations where either Osmus is still learning his personnel and really doesn't know what Hunter can and can't do completely, or much like Jim Leland, he figures you're a big league player, you you should know how to bunt. And he rolled with it. I I won't say it cost him the game because the Tigers made a bunch of There was a lot of issues in that game that led up to this loss, but this was the most glaring, and hopefully this was a learning experience for Osmus.
1: Well, what are you going to do? Look, Al, I'm a poker player, Mm -hmm. and I I make some plays sometimes at the table that are considered coin flips. Yeah. And this is very much a coin flip situation that hindsight is awesome, and hindsight sucks. Mm -hmm. When you look back at it and say, you know, there's so many things. It could, should... Hunter have been able to get the bunt down. Yeah, he's a professional ball player. He should have been able to. On the other hand, bunting is not as easy as it looks. Yeah. So you can't hardly, you know, say, well, no, he should be 100% successful in that because he's a pro. Uh, you know, I'm sorry, even the best bunters fail. On the other hand, uh, just imagine what would, what would be the case if uh, and somebody brought this up in an article, that, mm-hmm. that if, if Osmus had said, yeah, go ahead, swing away, and Hunter had... Uh, you know, grounded into a, a double play anyway. Mm-hmm. Right. Then the backlash would have been, why didn't you have him bunt and at least move the runners along? So, yeah. flip the coin. The results sucked. Someone's going to complain somewhere. I'm still falling on the side of a guy with an 800 plus OPS. Mm-hmm. You don't. You don't really necessarily want to ask him to bunt. I think the chances are way better that he gets, you know, a hit or at least a sacrifice fly or something. Yeah.
0: Yeah, it, it, that's the thing. There's a lot, there's other things you could have done. You could have started the runners to try and keep out of the double play. Uh, you could have just let them swing away because you know, Hunter is slugging over 500 this year, and it, even as Hunter admitted, you know, on he even admitted after the game, and he's a pro because he did he did take blame for the loss. He did admit that on average uh, he only bunts about once every 10 years because <laughs> he was a career middle of the order hitter. So. Uh, You know, this is one of those things where I think we could all pick apart. We all have opinions, and you know, know, opinions are like. Well, I won't even. I won't use that uh, derogatory term, but this is one of those things where I don't think there is a right answer. Uh, It's just that there was a lot of wrong answers. (laughs)
1: Well, right. The the wrong answer is that the end result, and that's the wrong answer. And Mm -hmm. so now, now it's time for everybody to second guess what should have happened. Right. And you just there's there's no way out of that Mm cul-de-sac. So. It it happened and uh, Hunter took the blame for it. Good for him. Mm-hmm. He did the but he did the exact same thing last year when this happened and said, Yeah, I need to be able to get that bunt down. Yeah. So maybe next time Osmus looks back in history and looks at the records and says, Eh, he's not the guy for that. Yeah. So
0: yeah, it was really somehow uh, history repeated itself because I could have taken large chunks of the recap a year ago and just pasted it into this into one from this week and it would have fit perfectly other than maybe changing a name here or there. It was
1: it was stunning. <laughs> maybe Osmus texted Jim during that uh, <laughs> and Jim came back and said, Yeah, make him bunt. <laughs> so, yeah. and, no. and also it kinda of goes
0: to show that for you know, for all the preseason excitement that Brad Osmus is going to be a different manager in a lot of situations, every single manager will make the same damn decision because that's how baseball's always been played. And this is, this is one of those situations where I think 99%, even though you might disagree, and I'm not a fan of the bunt. I hate the bunt. There's, I think there's reason to bunt maybe 2% of the time. and That's usually in the ninth inning when you need one run to end the game, and that's when I would bunt. Regardless of that, I think in this situation – Ninety-nine times out of a hundred, a manager, a big league manager, is going to call for a butt in that situation, and Brad Ausmus was no different.
1: But I thought Brad Ausmus was supposed to be a sabermetrics guru. Yeah, I think we're learning differently, aren't we? Uh, he told us as much, right? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> he said, "I'm really not. I'm more of an old school player," and he's living up to what he, you know what he said. So maybe uh, that's that's what you can expect. Yeah, but. Sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't.
0: Yeah, maybe he will end up becoming a Joe Madden, but uh, odds are he'll just be, you know, if, if he becomes an Jim Leyland, I think I think we can all be happy with that because be he'll be a very successful manager. But again, he's he also did show that I think he can handle the criticism because he was heavily criticized after that game. And again, he uh, as as all good managers do, they just move on and make the next decision. Welcome to Detroit, Brad. Exactly. That was his welcome.
1: Or welcome back, I should say. <laughs> right. Yeah. As a manager, I should yeah. say. Yeah. All
0: right. I've uh, got to talk a little bit about uh, Ian Kinsler, who is hitting the cover off the ball right now, and Prince Fielder, who isn't. <laughs> and this is a comparison that's going to go on for quite some time, probably for years, considering uh, the stakes involved with this trade and the years and the money. Uh, but currently, Kinsler is making Dave Dombrowski look like a genius. Kinsler is hitting 327. Uh, he's slugging 519. He's got an 871 OPS with two home runs, six RBIs, and three stolen bases, and he's playing a very good second base. Fielder is struggling mightily. at 164 is his batting average. He's only getting on base at a 271 clip. He's slugging essentially at the level of um, Alex Gonzalez at 262. Uh, he, uh, so he's only got one home run, four RBI. And there's already some rumblings from the Texas fan base that – and from some media members that the Prince Fielder decline has begun considering, you know, he his numbers dropped uh, quite significantly last in his last year as a Tiger. Uh, I haven't you – no, know, obviously, Fielder is not going to be, continue to hit this badly, and Kinsler is not going to hit this well. But uh, – uh, hook slide. It really does look uh, appear that Ian Kinsler is a great fit for this particular Tigers team, and I think in a lot of ways is a better fit than Prince Fielder would have been.
1: Yeah, I think that's the uh, at least for the the new you know yeah for the how the team, team and built exactly the new philosophy and, and what have you. Um, so many things I could say about this. I, it's it's still early, obviously, and if we're going to keep looking at the the slash line, yeah,
0: you know, you know we will. <laughs>
1: <laughs> we will, yeah. but it, I wouldn't. Uh, I wouldn't pin everything on the slash line because that will even up. Uh, Prince is oh, yeah. going to hit. He's mm-hmm. going to hit his home runs. He's going to get a ton of RBIs. He's going to, you know, bat right around his career average. Uh, you know, so this this is this too shall pass. Right. But I think in terms of looking at the long term and saying is Kinsler, um, you know, is Dombrowski a genius for getting Kinsler? You got to look at things like his defensive abilities. Mm-hmm. And just his his general I, I think his his base running his baseball i q on the base pads is just it's worlds apart from what what Prince is doing. and we already saw earlier this season Prince got into another base running blunder,
0: mm-hmm.
1: um trying, trying to score it <laughs> was so it it looked almost exactly like the the a l c s play last year, yeah <laughs> where he got stuck between yeah. third and home on a hit that he should have scored on
0: mm mm-hmm.
1: um so that's happening and he's making errors over there in you know in the field mm-hmm. so that and that i think is going to be more uh, permanent than his slash line yeah, yeah. so if we foc- if we focus mm-hmm. on those things yeah kinsler is going to be he's going to make Dombrowski look like a genius as long as we stay you know with that mm-hmm. however mm-hmm. i do i do have some relatives who live in texas yeah and our diehard Texas fans, so just to give you, just for fun, here's here's a little bit of a different perspective. Mm-hmm. It's all about the attitude, man. It is yeah. all about the attitude. And most of why I'm, you know, I'll, I'll I'll lay it out there. I'm happy to see Prince gone, mostly because I thought he had a crappy attitude at the end of the, mm-hmm. uh, the series last year. And his, you know, hey, whatever, it's over. I got kids, uh, man. Yeah, I got kids. It's over, bro. <laughs> I was like, okay, I, I know that's probably just a, a PR blunder and whatever, but... You know, I I said before, Jim Leland at least had the guts to stand up there and say, I'm sorry to the fans. You know, Mm -hmm. I'm sorry we let that get away. That that shouldn't have happened. So Prince left, you know, some of us with a bad taste just based on on Mm -hmm. that. Meanwhile, over in Texas, Ian Kinsler walked away from that club and said, I hope they go 0 and 162." Right. And uh, believe me, that resonated Mm -hmm. with with the fan base over there. So talking to some of my relatives, I'm kind of, you know, good-naturedly ribbing them, you know, going, ha, 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 you know, look at, look at the stats, you know, we're winning this one. And uh, they said, you know what, you can keep him. He's a jerk. Mm. <laughs> so we're, we're glad to see him go. We're happy to have Prince Fielder. So just a different uh, fan base perspective, I guess. Yeah,
0: I think it's one of those uh, situations where both players were ultimately going to need a, a, the cliched change of scenery because uh, I think the fan bases had grown tired of uh, you want to say the act or the attitude or the performance of these players, and yeah, in Texas, it was time for Kinsler to go. We, really, they had really because uh, uh, everything I ever ro- read about Kinsler from Texas fans and Texas media was essentially yeah was uh, we don't like his attitude, we think he's a jerk, we think he's me first, we you know he think he, you know he's not a team player, and he'll run into outs and he'll pop up in clutch situations. And, boy, it really does sound – what they're saying sounds a lot like what the Tigers fans said about Prince Fielder after the playoff series.
1: So maybe it's an even-steven even trade. I don't know. Yeah. The, the nice thing about it is when I was talking to this relative of mine, you know, mm-hmm. and she said, you know, I had a Kinsler jersey, but I'm going to use it for mopping the floor now. <laughs> And I said, you know what? I've got a Fielder jersey that I'm doing the same thing. Why don't we just trade?
0: Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, you know, I, I saved money on the deal. So thank you, Dave. Yeah, there you go. <laughs>
0: All right. Um, as we start to kind of roll down the home stretch of the podcast, uh, we need to touch on probably the biggest, most spectacular news of the week, and that is Justin Verlander now leads the Detroit Tigers in hitting with a 6.67 average. Uh, it was amazing uh, over the weekend in the, um, out in San Diego during a road trip that Justin Verlander did not get just his first hit, but first two hits, and also scored a run, and yet the world did not end. The world is still spinning on x axis. Uh, but it really was—it uh, it, it was just interesting to see the uh, the delight in the Tigers and seeing Verlander snap that streak. And Verlander on first base, you know, this is a, a guy who's making millions of dollars to play a game, standing on first base, beaming like a little kid who just. Uh, Got his first hit in t ball, and it, it
1: was it, it was really really cool. It was, and I'm so glad that I was actually in front of a television to see it happen. <laughs> uh, you know, all of us in the room we, when he came at the bat, we're like, mm-hmm. oh yeah, you, you know what's going on here, right? He's never had a hit, and he gets yeah. ribbed for it all the time. And crack, he sends it up the middle, and we just lost it. And to yeah. see the uh, th- that row of pitchers in the dugout getting up and giving him the slow clap <laughs> <laughs> was so. It was just worth it for that. You mm-hmm. know, but good for him, and, yeah. and to see him do it again the second time up. All right, all right. And they weren't cheapies
0: either. They were hard-hit balls, even though uh, he almost got himself thrown out uh, because (laughs) the the, the right fielder was playing essentially uh, little league depth on him, and uh, he he beat the throw from right by a step. But, uh, yeah, again, it was just a really, really cool thing to see. And it it was one of those things that reminds you that, you know, these guys really do love to play the game, you know, even, you know, even though they're being paid an insane amount of money to entertain us,
1: they're there because they love to play baseball. Yeah, and there's that competition, you know, if you're yeah. gonna be out there you wanna succeed. Yeah, you don't want to you know? be embarrassed. No, it's it's what was he, oh for twenty six up to that point, 0 I think. Twenty six, I think he'd had uh, like nine sacrifice bunts or something like that. Yeah, so you know, going up there twenty six times and having to walk back to the dugout after making yet another out, you know, that that's gotta get boring after a while. So it's it's nice to see him succeed and get the base hit and you know, like you said, he even scored a run yeah. on on one of those. So you've got to feel good about making that contribution. And, hey, more power to him. So now that he's uh, – you said he's leading the team, right, in the batting yeah. average? Yeah, department. and actually,
0: who's second is Annabelle Sanchez,
1: who's hitting five hundred. So <laughs> maybe the bench is deeper than we thought. Oh, there you go.
0: No, but actually, if I was bringing someone off the bench who was a pitcher to hit, it would be Annabelle Sanchez, personally. But, you know, Verlander, he's he's feeling kind of cocky now. So <laughs> I, would, I would go
1: with uh, Max – Oh, after yeah. seeing him hit that double last year.
0: Yes, that's right. I, uh, I one of the I have to look up the numbers, and uh, that's that's you know that sounds like a, maybe a post in the making. Uh, yeah, which tiger I, I would be say... which tiger's pitcher would be the best pitch hitter <laughs> since they have no one on the bench that can hit.
1: Right. <laughs> yeah, I, I I don't know what Sanchez's uh, offense numbers look like. I think Max finished at like 333 last year. Yeah. So uh, maybe he's at the bottom of that that pile.
0: But at the very least, Verlander's hitting, but he's also pitching. Pretty darn well. Now, even though uh, he kind of lucked into a win in his last start, you know the, he left the game uh, down three-two. Tigers ended up winning that game, uh, and he had a, a, one of those frustrating Verlander-type starts where he had a hugely elevated pitch count. Ended up with 113 pitches in five innings. Overall, Verlander is, is pretty much picked up where he did last September and October. Um, he's two and one with a 2.08 ERA. No, even though he's not—he's not the pitcher he was three years ago. In that he's not overpowering guys. He's really like—I uh, think in the game he went out in San Diego, he threw 70% of his pitches were breaking ball, slow stuff. He wasn't depending on that—that uh, that mid-90s heat. And that's one of those things that makes me feel better about uh, Verlander being here for the long haul because I, I think he realizes that. You know, as he ages, he's going to have to expand his repertoire, and he's doing that and doing it very successfully.
1: Yeah, and as Jim Price would say, that's the art of pitching. Yeah, the art of he's pitching. <laughs> learned, learning how to get the guys out, even without the power, mm. you know, the, the heater. And he still so, has
0: it, just not as much.
1: Not not as right. Off. Yeah. Uh. Well, you no. Know, he hit. Did he hit ninety seven
0: on he the gun today? He hit ninety six, ninety seven. I don't. I think the days where he's going to hit a hundred, hundred and one are probably gone. But he doesn't need to do that. He's good enough where he can still you no. Know, I mean, what you know, when you're throwing 97 or 100, uh, I don't think there's a
1: hell of a lot of difference there. Uh, maybe not to the better, yeah. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but it is. It's an exciting time, I think, to watch him mature
0: yeah. and
1: make that transition from you know the fireballer to someone who's still got the speed, but he's he's turning into, I think, you know, a finesse pitcher,
0: the
1: yeah. um, uh, one who can really hit his spots and and you know sequence well, and that that's going to be exciting to watch. So yeah, and two. Um, I know he, you know he had a couple of elevated pitch counts the first couple times out, but uh, that I think you'll see drop. And I think him dealing with Cleveland, they're just they're a pesky team in terms yes. of they'll sit there and take
0: mm-hmm. pitches
1: all day long. Yeah. So that's you got to factor that in. I, I give him the next two three starts, and you'll see that pitch count drop. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah,
0: Cleveland, yeah, they're an annoying team. Period. I mean, I'd be annoyed with him just for Kip, uh, for uh, Kipnis and Swisher, but. You know, bro. The, yeah, the bro king. But
1: Bro, dude, bro.
0: <laughs> All right. Um let's start wrapping up the podcast. So um uh, we we decided you know, rather than kinda of have our final thoughts. We uh we wanted to we're gonna touch on a piece that uh Slide, uh wrote for the site that really kind of stirred up a hornet's nest about fandom in general, and, and what makes a good fan, or were you making fun of fans who may not be educated uh, in the same way that the majority of the Bless You Boys readership is, and you know, in that they look deeper into, uh, into numbers and how a team is playing than just by going with a gut feeling. And you know, as, uh, as a tagline uh, for your piece went, you know shit my team's fans say and you listed the top 5 stupidest tiger fans comments actually hope heard in a single game and really this was a humor piece you know it was pointed but it, you know, it wasn't i i didn't think people would take it as seriously as they did and there were some people that really thought were, they were offended that you were making fun of, of people's fandom and it really wasn't right. that
1: no and you know Fine. I'll look back and say maybe I could have written it differently, mm-hmm. you know, maybe a little bit less of a, of a sharp edge um, the, the key to understanding that piece is in the title. It's, it's my team. Yes. Yeah. And, and really I wasn't necessarily trying to go after people that are Uneducated in terms of the higher, you mm-hmm. know stats I'm going after this caricature of the person who never has anything good to say about this team ever and so you know any any fan that you go you know how those tigers doing it and it's always something negative you know mm-hmm. oh that that offense they're just not consistent or oh that starting pitching there's they never have a good thing to say about it right and when when that negativity is married to you know ignorance
0: mm-hmm.
1: you know of, of what's really going on like especially in that comment about you know well Miguel Cabrera is really sucking it up right now and he's never going to even hit 325 this year yeah and you go okay um let's let's not bash Miggy but anyway the, the you know it was firmly tongue in cheek and mm-hmm. you know I would never um, you know i would never disparage a fan for not having you know read a stat sheet or, or done deep analysis uh, like i said I'm responding more to just the constant negativity yeah
0: yeah and uh, it, my, my my and there is a serious point that you can take from this in that all opinions are not equal, and that has kind of ch- the internet era has changed uh. Uh, people's opinions in that they everybody has a place to voice their thoughts on any subject and as we all seen what is going on in politics <laughs> uh, I wouldn't say to give their opinions but to shout their opinions on any subject that, that's all well and good but it doesn't mean that all opinions are equal they're not uh, you will give more weight to an educated opinion than an uneducated opinion and that's, I think, why people go to Bless You Boys because they're going to see the educated opinions compared to the yammering that you'll see going on. That sounds much like your night in the bar, at places in the comments, that say like uh, Detroit Free Press, Detroit News, and M Live. Right. You know, it's, it's and a, that's, that's what gets me is that there's, uh, you know, people yell, you know, my opinion has merit, and they go. You may have an opinion, but is it backed by facts?
1: And many times they're not. Right, and and, and often, like I said, they're they're not. But uh, I I made a comment to somebody on Twitter and said, you know, if I don't mind I don't mind uninformed comments. Yeah. Uh, but you can do it with a positive spin. You know, like if somebody mm-hmm. had said, oh man, Cabrera, you know, he's going to hit 70 home runs. He's going to break the home run record this yeah. year. No, that's an informed comment, but at least you're not, you know, ragging on my team. Yeah. And that's really where that where that piece comes from is just like, would you stop? Why are you even a fan of this team if mm-hmm. you never have anything good to say about them? But I mean, like I said, firmly tongue in cheek, picking on a stereotype. Yeah. Um, you know, um, not to give away trade secrets here, but I actually didn't necessarily hear those exact comments mm-hmm. word for word <laughs> I'm piecing but, together. But, yeah, I'm paraphrasing them, so to speak. Yeah, sure. You're putting together three and four things and saying this is kind of silly mm-hmm. and and also trying to get a point across and saying, but if you do look at the stats, they, they tell a very different story. So maybe not quite so much negativity, but mm-hmm. eh, people took it the wrong way, or at least some people did, and that's, you know. Like I said, you know, maybe I could have written it a little bit better. And that's that's my thing as a writer is to go back and say, yeah, I'll do it better next time. But it was still it's still satire, guys. Jeez, lighten up. Have a sandwich. You know?
0: <laughs> yeah, it's um, you know, I, I guess uh, I'm, I'm sure there's some people out there who might think we're a, a little more elitist, uh, so to speak, at a place like Bless You Boys. And
1: Well, you know, Al, I'm going to mm-hmm. say this, too, that. I've been there. Yeah. I mean, recently Mm -hmm. I've been in that same spot, you know, and watching it. I I always tell the story of seeing Andy Dirks since 2012 and not being as much into the stats back at that time, you know, and Mm -hmm. watching him go, yeah, that's a real gritty, scrappy player. I like him. You know, so Mm -hmm. I'm not – come on. I I come from that stock, you know. I'm not ragging on those people or whatever, you know. So, Mm -hmm. like, it's just uh, lighten up, man. It's okay. And I pick on on the stats heads just as much, so –
0: yeah and as we'd like to remind people you know we have our own little uh fact at bless you boys is that uh everybody is welcome, but if you're going to spew opinions, you are should be expected to back those up with facts and statistics, otherwise you're going to be called out on it and um uh, that's and for the most part, I think at bless you boys, people are pretty good about it, and we don't tolerate the trolling type stuff, and people get into massive arguments over this and and in your pe- in your peace it didn't turn into trolling and people insulting each other. It was really a very interesting conversation about um, what makes a fan. And, you know, are, are we being uh, a little too, you know, our, our noses in the air and our pinky all, uh, up in the air as we're drinking our tea saying, those aren't real fans because we know stats. You no, know, it's it, there, a fan makes breaks, uh, brings in everybody, the casual fan to the serious fan and I bless you, boys. It's more of a serious fan thing. And, At least there's
1: a place for those people to go. And I I draw kind of a line, too, in saying, look, even I, when I'm watching a game and Alex Avila has struck out for the third time, Uh, I will scream bloody murder and go, come Mm -hmm. on with this. And I'll point out the facts and say, look, he's leading the team in strikeout percentage right now. Mm -hmm. But I do draw a line between kind of complaining about something that's happening in the moment versus extrapolating from that and saying, see, he needs to be sent. You know, down to Toledo, mm-hmm. or you know, send Justin Verlander to the bullpen. You know, so you mm-hmm. kind of go, look, draw the line, step back. You know, let's let's not be so so negative about this about this team, especially if you're you're not basing it on facts.
0: Yeah, and and just to you know, kind of bring something out there, you know, as we're all yelling about Alex Avila, uh, off the top of your head, who's getting on base more, Avila or Cabrera?
1: Oh, that's a good question. I would have said Avila, but with all the strikeouts, is he is he still leading?
0: Alex Avila has a 314 on base percentage. so Cabrera is 294. Unbelievable. Yeah. So okay. well, that send, just kind of Send goes Cabrera down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no. Take, take the
1: long view. Take the long mm-hmm. view and say, look, both of these guys have career stats that uh, should give us hope that you know they're they're going to progress, not regress. Yeah you know, to a better place.
0: But, yeah, I will admit I do the same things. And even that tone shows up in my recaps where I get, you know, short-term thinking, God damn it, why are they doing this again? Uh, When, you know, and I'll kind of cut and they'll come off like that in a recap. And I really do know deep down that, you know, it's a, it's a long season. You've got to let things play out, small sample sizes, blah, blah, blah. But we're all deep, deep down. We're all the same kind of fan. We want this team to win, and we get very frustrated when things
1: don't go our way. And,
0: uh, and I think that's good. We yeah. all have something in common.
1: Absolutely. As long as, like you said, as long as you deep down you know, support the team or whatever, it, and again, I will draw that line there. If, if you're one of those fans that doesn't really follow the team, but you just like to bitch about them, yeah, then I, I stand by what I said. Go, go be a Cubs fan. Get, you know, leave leave my team alone. <laughs> yeah, no one wants. God, that that'd be a living hell being a Cubs fan. Well, it, it suits it suits the Cubs. That yeah. mentality suits the Cubs. If you yeah. want a team to complain about constantly, go yeah. do that. Yeah, <laughs> and that sounds like a good place to wrap up this podcast. So,
0: uh, Hook Slide, where can the uh, readership find you online?
1: You can find me at Hook Slide byb on Twitter. Not making fun of, well, yes, I am making fun of everything. Yes. <laughs> and, of course, you can find me on
0: Twitter as well, um, at Big Al BYB. And, actually, if you do check my Twitter account, the vast majority over the past 24 hours have been basketball-related because I got all fired up during the uh, the Bad Boys uh, 30 to 30 documentary on
1: ESPN last night. and Yeah, not going to lie, Al, I blocked you. <laughs> it's like, damn it, it's baseball season. I do not have to listen to this crap.
0: Uh, I got to admit, uh,
1: the 80s Pistons are one of my all-time favorite teams. And uh, Hey, you uh, know what? Yeah. I, I actually have something to say about that, because uh-huh. as much as I'm a baseball fan exclusively, I did watch the Pistons and the Lakers play. I think that was 89. Mm-hmm. Was that the, that the one I was I'm thinking uh, of? No, uh, they, they, uh, they uh, lost in 88, beat them in 89. Okay, I watched then probably the 88 Mm-hmm. One. And I, I don't know why, for whatever reason, I was just a kid, and I thought, oh, De- Detroit team. And I actually had a Pistons shirt that had the signatures mm-hmm. on it and everything. So, And then they lost, Yeah. and that was the end that of my was, yeah, uh, That was 88, and I'll go I to my watching.
0: grave believing that Bill Laimbeer never fouled Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. And the Pistons should have three titles, and that's sh- all for another podcast.
1: <laughs> so I'm just saying, I felt your pain, man.
0: Yes, indeed. All right, let's uh, wrap this up. So, as always, uh, uh, to find this podcast, uh, uh, all, make sure you're listening to the Blog Talk radio feed. I know it's kind of silly mentioning it in the podcast, but if you do happen to stumble upon this and you want to subscribe, make sh- uh, like on iTunes, always make sure you're looking for a Bless You Boys blog talk radio feed because the other one I think is still out there from the old days. So uh, I actually have got some uh, people hitting me up on Twitter asking me, how come we're not getting your podcast? The wrong RSS feed. So, And I'll, of course, if you want to hear me go on more about the 1980s Tistons and other Detroit sports, uh, check out my other podcast I do with uh, Bless you Boys contributor Greg Yano called The Knee Jerks, where we pretty much talk about everything sports related. And I'm sure uh, when we record this weekend, there'll be lots of uh, bad boys talk and Red Wings hockey playoff talk. Uh, and you can find that on the same places where you can find this podcast on iTunes and other podcatchers. All right, with that, let's wrap things up. So until this time next week, hopefully Curtin will be back with us. This is Al Beaton saying good afternoon and good luck along the Books
1: slide. Let's go, Cubbies. Clap, clap,
0: clap, clap, clap. And let's hope we're not talking any more Chicago Cubs on the next You Boys podcast. That's good advice.
1: Thanks, big fella. With the Quicksilver card from Capital One, you earn unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase. Unlimited? Unlimited? Unlimited! 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 Any way you say it,
0: earning unlimited 1.5% cash back on every purchase just sounds good.
1: Capital One, what's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? What's in your wallet? Capital One Bank USA N.A.